All right, welcome again. It's good to have all of you here today. I know it's been a great experience so far, <clears throat> and I hope you felt the enthusiasm as you've worshiped with us online. I've got my Bible open today to a single verse of Scripture. It's the eighth chapter of the Gospel of John and the twelfth verse. And because we always make the public reading of Scripture a part of our service, I'm going to put that verse up on the screen, and I'm going to invite you, if you're able, to go ahead and stand with me, and we're going to read this passage together, this single verse together, that's going to be the foundation of what we're going to talk about for the next few minutes. So here we go. Let me hear your voices. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. All right, there it is. You can be seated. We always ask God's blessing on the reading and the hearing of his word. We know that was a little bit different this weekend, but this weekend is a little different. When I was a freshman in Bible college, the preacher from my home church in Houston, Texas, traveled to the college because he was attending a convention that was being held on campus called the National Youth Leaders Convention. And when the opening session happened, he and I were sitting up in the balcony of the chapel where I went to college on the very front row. And... Uh, the speaker got up and he was preaching from this passage of scripture. He was talking about Jesus as the light of the world. And at one point in the introduction, he asked this question, what is the purpose of light? Now, I don't think he asked that question with the intention of somebody answering him from the audience. But before you knew it, without even blinking, my preacher sitting next to me, his name was Jim Irby, wonderful guy, great guy said out in this loud, clear kind of booming voice to dispel the darkness. And it just shocked me. It just took me by such surprise. And it, it, you could tell that it kind of just uh, shocked everybody in the audience because it was just like this stunned silence for a second. Even the speaker took a few seconds before he got himself back on track. But the thing about that is that it was such a great answer. What's the purpose of light? To dispel the darkness. I know there are other positive things that you can say about light. That's understandable. But this really makes sense, this definition really makes sense, again, when you look at it in light of what we just read from John chapter 8 and verse 12, where Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Now, notice what he says next. He said, whoever follows me will never walk in what? Say it with me, darkness, but will have the light of life. We'll never walk in darkness because the purpose of light is to dispel the darkness, and so what I want to do for just the next few minutes, and this is a different weekend again, and I don't preach as long as I normally do, but the good news in that is there's no such thing as a bad short sermon. Somebody say amen to that. <laughs> what I want to do is I just want to share three really simple, but I think powerful truths about this verse, about Jesus as the light of the world that can make an incredible difference in our lives as we move forward going back to school or as we move forward doing whatever it is that we do in our lives. And here's the first one. I'm going to tell you in advance. It's going to sound repetitive, but I want you to bear with me. The first truth is just basically what we've already said. Jesus is the light of the world. And the reason why I start like that, even though we've already established that truth by reading those words together, is because it's one thing to know or to say that you know that Jesus is the light of the world, and it's another thing altogether to know exactly what that means, what it means to say that Jesus is the light of the world. 
I wonder if there's anyone here uh, in service today listening to me here present or listening to me online who has ever read Lee Strobel's book called The Case for Christ. He's written several books that start with those same words, The Case for. I think his most recent one is The Case for Miracles. Lee Strobel was a guest speaker here at Mount Pleasant a few years ago and had a great, great message. It was a great, great weekend. But the thing about his book, The Case for Christ, that I will always remember is the way it begins. Because he tells the story in the very beginning of how in the 1950s, a man named Charles Templeton was a powerful, famous evangelist who would sometimes preach to upwards of 10,000 plus people in his evangelistic meetings. He was good friends with Billy Graham. In fact, the two of them, Charles Templeton and Billy Graham, were a dynamic duo, preaching duo for years for Youth for Christ. But eventually, and I'm going to have to capsulize his story, eventually Charles Templeton enrolled in the Princeton Theological Seminary, which already had a liberal reputation. And after his graduation, it wasn't very long before he admitted that he no longer believed in any sort of meaningful Christianity, and he walked away from his faith completely, completely. And even though he remained friends with Billy Graham for the rest of his life, he never, ever returned to his faith. And so when Strobel began writing the book, The Case for Christ, he thought it would be interesting to interview Templeton if he was willing to see if the former evangelist could offer him any insight into his reasons for leaving Christianity. And so they began the interview and they talked back and forth and they debated some points related to Christ and Christianity. And then at one point, Strobel asked Templeton the question, what do you think about Jesus personally? And here's what he writes. Templeton's body language softened. It was as if he suddenly felt relaxed and comfortable in talking about an old and dear friend. He was, Templeton began, the greatest human being who has ever lived. He was a moral genius. His ethical sense was unique. He was the intrinsically wisest person that I've ever encountered in my life or in my readings. His commitment was total and led to his own death, much to the detriment of the world. What could one say about him except that this was a form of greatness? And Strobel writes, I was taken aback. You sound like you really care about him, he said. And Templeton continued, well, yes, he is the most important thing in my life. I, and he kind of stuttered for a few seconds to find the right words, I know it may sound strange, but I have to say, I adore him. And then he said, everything good, I know, everything decent, I know, everything pure, I know, I learned from Jesus. He cared for the oppressed and exploited. He, there's no question that he had the highest moral standard, the least duplicity, the greatest compassion of any human being in history. There have been many other wonderful people, but Jesus is Jesus. In my view, he is the most important human being who has ever existed. And Strobel goes on to write, that's when Templeton uttered the words I never expected to hear from him. He said, and if I may put it this way, as his voice began to crack, I miss him. And Strobel writes, with that, tears flooded his eyes. He turned his head and looked downward, raising his left hand to shield his face from me, and his shoulders bobbed as he wept. 
Now, I think we can all agree that there's a sad and a tragic part of that story because while Charles Templeton was able to articulate the incredible reality of Jesus' life so clearly, he left out the most important thing, and the most important thing about Jesus was that he was no ordinary man. He was God in human flesh. Somebody say amen to that. And I have to believe in my heart that had Templeton been able to believe that and trust that by faith, he would have never walked away from his faith. But setting that aside for just a moment, there's also a powerful and a positive reminder in this story And that is, this is a big part, what Templeton says about Jesus is a big part of what it means when we say that Jesus is the light of the world because of the impact Jesus has on human lives like yours and mine and on the world. Basically, Templeton was saying that everything good, did you note that? Everything good he knew in his life, he learned from Jesus. And that's a big part of the reason why Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is the light of the world, first and foremost, because he dispels the darkness of sin in our lives. But he's also the light of the world because of all that we learn from him, because of all that he teaches for us and the life that he models for us. Because that makes our lives so much more meaningful. Let's say that you were to follow in your life the teachings of Jesus. You examined all that he taught in the Gospels. You decided that in your practical day-in and day-out life, you were going to follow the teachings of Jesus in just three areas, just three. And you were going to love your enemies. You were going to forgive those who hurt you. And you're going to make it your goal every day of your life to serve others. Love your enemies, forgive those who hurt you, and make it your goal every single day of your life to serve other people. What kind of impact do you think that would have on your life? Well, I think that it would have an incredible impact on your life, and you'd be much more happy, much more better off than most people around you. You would be emotionally healthy and happy and well-balanced and you could go on and on and on. And that's, friends, just one of the small reasons why Jesus is the light of the world because his life and his teachings demonstrated what a life filled with light looks like. He's the light of the world. Again, I want to make sure we get this because he dispels the darkness of sin. That's what he did He dispelled the darkness of sin that has power over us. That's what he did when he paid for our sins with his life on the cross. And that's what we receive when we put our faith and trust in him. But also, also, because in Jesus, we see what a life lived in light looks like. Charles Templeton ended his conversation that day with Lee Strobel by saying this about Jesus. I miss him. How sad is that? I miss him. And our natural response might be, of course he does. Of course you do. Because after decades of being an atheist, where will you ever hope to encounter this kind of light again? Jesus is the light of the world. Here's the second thing. Following Jesus fills your life with light. Following Jesus fills your life, my life, with light. I was putting this message together and I thought about a 
uh, an illustration I read in a devotion not long ago by another pastor. He was talking about runway lights at an airport. I don't know where he got this specific information, but he said, I had always assumed that airport runway lights were a somewhat outdated concept because of the advanced technology of the instrument landing system. I thought that the technology made the runway, runway lights unnecessary. He said, I assumed that even in total darkness, the panel readings could get you safely to the ground. But then he wrote, that's not exactly true. The instruments do work, but only up to a point. And after that, the pilot needs to be able to see where he's landing. He's got to see the runway, especially at night. And I thought about that with regard to our message. Sometimes in our lives of faith, I'm talking about you and me. I'm not talking about somebody else out there, some unknown, unnamed Christian out there. I'm talking about you and me. Sometimes in our lives of faith, we make the mistake of thinking that just the most fundamental and basic lessons and truths that we've learned about God and we've learned about the Christian life are all we need to successfully navigate every challenge of life that comes our way. But that's not the case. Because when you're living in a dark world, and I hope all of us understand together today that we are living in a dark world that just gets darker with every passing day. When you're living in a dark world, you need the ever-present, ongoing light of Jesus to guide you. And the good news is he will do that because Jesus, who, remember, was no ordinary man, but who was God in human flesh, promises us that he will be with us and that he will guide us through whatever level of darkness we encounter as we go through life. And I know that there are people listening to me right now who are walking through some level of darkness in their life. He promises to be with us. That's why... Isaiah 60 and verse 19, the latter part of the verse, look at it on the screen, says, For the Lord will be your everlasting, everyone say everlasting, everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. He wants to be your everlasting light, not just a one-time thing, your everlasting light. But to experience the everlasting life of, light of Jesus in our lives, we got to make a commitment to spend time with him. We have to make a commitment to him to walk with him, to learn from him, and then take what we learn and put it into practice in our lives. That's the only way it works. Psalm 89 and verse 15 says, blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you who walk, isn't this great? Who walk in the light of your presence every single day, walking in the light of his presence. One of the saddest things that I've observed over the years as a pastor is how often families will be in church when their children are young. That's a priority. In fact, for many people, I don't know that this is as true today as it was when I was in the middle years of ministry, but many people would return to church when they had children because they felt like it was so important for their children to be in church. But as they get older, the church attendance gets more and more sporadic until one day you don't ever see them at all. They start off right and make sure their children are in the children's choir. They go to camp. They go to game night and all the different things that are offered by children's and student ministry. But one day they're just gone. Following Jesus, the light of the world, is a lifelong calling that doesn't take a backseat to anything. And I understand the challenges of raising children in the modern world. I understand all the different opportunities that are presented to children in a modern world. I understand as they get older, their lives get busier. But the calling 
The calling of walking in the light of Christ's presence never changes because the need to live in the light of Christ's presence never changes. And Jesus is the light of the world for you when you follow him and walk with him day by day by day. Not from a distance, not just when it's convenient, day by day by day. Here's a third thing. People will always be drawn to the light of Jesus. And when Jesus was preaching the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14, some of you have been with me to Israel and we have, we have sat right there on the mountainside where Jesus spoke overlooking the Sea of Galilee. It's an incredibly spectacular setting. When he spoke the Sermon on the Mount, he said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14, to those who were gathered there, he said, you are the light of the world. Now, if you and I had been there, knowing all that we know about Jesus today, knowing all that Jesus said in the Gospels, knowing, for example, that in John chapter 8 and verse 12, he said, I am the light of the world, we might have been tempted to raise our hand and say, uh, excuse me, Jesus, but no, you are the light of the world. Not me, you. And had we been bold enough to do that, then here's how I imagine Jesus would have responded. And he would have done it kindly. Not the way I would have if somebody raised their hand and interrupted me when I was preaching. <laughs> he would say, yes, I am the light of the world. And when you follow me as the light, you become the light to those around you. Now, what that really means is that when you follow Jesus, the light of the world, you begin to reflect the light of his life, and people are drawn to that. They're drawn to that light. That's why after Jesus said in Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world, he went on and said in Matthew 5, 16, in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. And that's how it reads in my NIV Bible. Here's how it reads in, in a more modern translation, the Good News translation. In the same way, your light must shine before people so that they will see the good things you do and praise your Father in heaven. In other words, the light of your life that's there because Jesus is the light of the world and you reflect that light as you follow him needs to be clearly seen by those around you in a way that points them to God. And that's really my strong prayer on this back-to-school weekend in 2022. I'm going to pray and have been praying for all the things that I pray for every year, safety and protection for our, our kids, and all those who serve our kids and work with them, comfort and care and peace and growth, the development of great friendships, compassion, meaningful experiences, and on and on and on. But I'm also praying that every one of our kids, every one of our students, and every one of our teachers and administrators and bus drivers and people who work in other capacities in the school and those who homeschool their kids and, and everyone who serves students throughout the course of the school year will follow and embrace Jesus as the light of the world in a way that causes his light to be reflected through their lives. That, and the result is that they impact the world around them which is something that all of us need to be committed to doing every single day of our lives. Look at these words on the screen that Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. We'll bring this to a close. 
Paul said, do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you, this is my favorite part, shine like stars in the universe. In the original language of the New Testament, the word Paul uses there for shine literally means reflect. So that we reflect the light of Jesus, who is the light of the world, every single day of our lives. There's a scientific term for that kind of reflection that has to do with uh, the universe that, that Jesus, that God spoke into being, that he sustains every second of every day. It's the word albedo. It's the measurement of how much sunlight a celestial body reflects. The planet Venus, for example, has the highest albedo at 0.65. In other words, 65% of the light that hits Venus is reflected light. We think about that in relation to our permanent night light, which is the moon, and the moon has an albedo of only 0.07%. Only 7% of the sunlight is reflected. And think about that. Even though it's only 0.07, only 7% of the sunlight that it's reflected, it lights up the sky on a cloudless night. You don't have to reflect a lot of light to make a difference in the world. And every one of us needs to recognize that we have this spiritual albedo in our lives as we follow Jesus. And our goal should be 100% reflectivity. So that as our light shines, the people around us see that, notice it in a way that points them to God. You don't have to produce the light. You just have to reflect it. And you reflect it by living your life, every day of your life, close to Jesus. I want you to pray with me. Thank you, Lord, for just a few minutes to talk about Jesus as the light of the world. And I pray that we would all experience a conviction in our hearts right now to live up to the instruction of Jesus himself when he said that we are to be the light of the world. And that that happens when we live our lives completely sold out and committed to following Jesus every day in every way. I pray that for everyone here. And I pray, Father, that as a result, we can make an impact in the world not by drawing attention to ourselves, but pointing people through the way we live our lives to you. That's my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.